0: Hello again. Um, My name is Matt Stevens. I'm going to be reading the scripture this morning. That's from Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat.
1: Uh, give us just a minute here, let's set up, can you get that, yeah, it's not like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like those other ones, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Good morning everybody, hey, if you uh, if you didn't get a community cup on the way in, I'd encourage you to do that now, maybe put your hands up, I know uh, Jeff and Mary Ellen are handing out, if everyone got one, that's great, probably going to need that, can I move that, This, this yeah, that's good. All right, appreciate seeing everybody. Uh, what Ashley was alluding to and praying about is that yesterday we got a message from Buckles asking for prayer. Why because she actually talked to Susan and then Susan let us know. Uh, he's in Pakistan right now um, and he started a pastor's conference today but kind of in a little bit more dangerous area than they thought they would be. Uh, so we need, to, we need to keep them in prayer, bathe them in prayer, uh, make it a priority as you... Uh, as you pray throughout the day and this week, and especially uh, today and tomorrow, apparently. So I don't know exactly where he is, but nevertheless, let's keep him in prayer he, as he starts with the pastors and so forth. I also want to encourage you I know I think it was referenced to in the announcements. Uh, you know, it's for both Greg and Susan, it's been a pretty rough couple of weeks here with um, Susan's uh, father passing away and her aunt. Um, she just headed back down to be with her mom, uh, but man, if you know Susan, her heart is operation Christmas child, and uh, they 're trying to do everything they can to reach uh, two thousand boxes i think they 're about eight hundred and fifty right now uh, if we 've got you know, we've we 've got over two hundred people. I was thinking about it this morning man, if just ten people packed or if two hundred people packed ten boxes we 'd have our two thousand and so if you're if you can help in any way when you go out these doors today, go to the right. You will see all the Operation Christmas Child boxes. Talk to Sharon. I think you're going to be there, right, Sharon? Yeah. I'm th- sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, Sharon will be there, whether she was, <laughs> And uh, um, but um, um, and maybe you can work out where you can come out and help how, uh, pack boxes. Maybe you can talk to your small group or the, maybe some friends and just come up and get it done. I uh, sure'd like to help her out with that. I, uh, love to see Susan reach her her goals, and then obviously this week is uh, D now, so We want to remember our, our students this week. It's an important week as uh, they begin to uh, have their D Now time. So um, let's pray. Let's just let, let's just pray. I need to pray. Sorry, guys. Uh, I know we ha- we just pray, but I I've got to I got to do it. Father, come be- we come before you, Lord. And I just lift these things. Even as Ashley prayed for Buckles, I just. Pray for him and those pastors. God, may the word go forth. We know that Father, uh, nothing stands in your way. May your spirit move in such a way that Father, we will rejoice when we hear when Greg gets back and share. I pray for Operation Christmas Child and just Father, the number of boxes that get out and touch lives around the world. And just Father, I've I've met people and have heard those stories and it's incredible. And then Lord, we pray for our students this week. We pray, God, that. Uh, they would be encouraged in the word of God, that they would be taught and strengthened in the scriptures. And then, Lord, I, I just pray you use Carl and the, and the leaders in such a way, Father, to glorify your name. Father, this morning, speak to us. We end up our series on atonement this morning. And, Lord, uh, I just need you. I just need you, Father. And I trust your spirit to work in a way that only you can do it. I pray, Father, you go past all my own inabilities, my shortcomings, my shortcomings own sins and iniquities father and to speak to us your people may we grasp the realities and the truth of the atonement and of the gospel in our lives father may we not be just wandering about just thinking christianity is just kind of a good thing to add to our life when we understand the reality of the atonement and the impact it has on our lives now father we quit playing around in this world we look for the coming of your son we father look for the glory of your name. We, Father, long for your name to be lifted. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been doing the atonement. It's been an important theological and doctrinal study. And I'm using those two words on purpose because we need to quit running away from theology and doctrine. We need to incorporate it into our lives. We understand the reality of it. And when we talk about the atonement, we're talking about the work of Christ in his perfect life and his sacrificial death and the implications of it. When we talk about being a group of people learning to follow Jesus together, we need to understand the atonement and the impact of the atonement on our lives. We need to understand the impact of the gospel that it has on our lives. You know, I was thinking this week, and oftentimes we as, we as believers, I've said it many times and we'll continue to say that, say this but we often say you know that Jesus died for me and I often wonder if we as believers understand the full implications of the fact that Jesus died for us I mean can we articulate what does it mean that Jesus died for us can we explain it to somebody else can we do we understand what is the atonement Do we understand what happened in the atonement? Do we understand what actually took place when Jesus shed his blood on our behalf through his death, his burial, and his resurrection for us? Do we understand those implications and what they mean in our lives? And that's why we've been doing this series. So we become biblically literate of the truth of God and the work of Christ as it relates to the good news, the gospel, of salvation, the atonement for us. And when we, say what, when we say something like, Jesus died for me, we can share and explain why it's had such an incredible impact on our lives, on our standing before God. I, I, love, um, I love the little cards, these little cards in the front of your seat. Uh, I always get such a kick out of it over the years. I don't, uh, Fatima usually addresses them now, but I used to always get them. I, I used to get from the kids, like remember one talking about giving. So I get to write back to them about giving. I remember one time, I think I did a message on prayer and I got, a, got one from one of, the, one, of the, one of the kids going, what does it mean to pray a mind, uh, kingdom-minded prayer? How awesome is that, right? I was saying that in the first service and people were like, Really? They're out? Yeah, our kids are asking this. Last week we had a couple from a 10-year-old. We had, I want to learn more about reconciliation. is that great? is that just awesome? When another one says, I want to, you know, I think they were 11. I, another one says, I want to I learn to become a great Christian. And I was thinking, man, if our, out of the mouth of our babes, out of the mouth of our children, if they have a desire to know God and to know the truth of God's word, how much more? should it be a priority in our own lives. That we would be ones who who teach it and live it and explain it. So we are learning together how we might follow Jesus, and we've been learning together about the atonement. So I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I guess everybody could see that with a mic. What we're going to do is not too fast. I'm sorry. (laughs) Man. (laughs) What we're going to do is we're going to have a little quiz here, okay? I thought about having it out there, and y'all, you know, fill it out and sign it and turn it in and I don't know that probably didn't go over too good but what I want to do is it's just our outline the first week we looked at four reasons for the atonement and then we started talking about the four results of the atonement and that's been the outline of this series is the four results of the atonement so some of you are new you may not know so you get a pass on being silent but the other ones that have been here let's speak up when I ask so when we first one when we said we deserve to die. We talked about we deserve to die. Why? Because of the penalty of sin. The consequence of sin is what? Death. So we deserve to die. What was God's solution? Sacrifice. sacrifice. That's right. Sacrifice. God, God's sacrifice. God sent his son, the lamb of God, and his sacrifice and what he did in our place. Praise God. Amen. The second week we looked at we, bear, we deserve to bear the God's wrath. Nobody liked to talk about that one. I know I didn't. That the consequences, the picture is, is that God is a righteous and holy God. Let me make this clear. God is a righteous and holy God, and he's not changing his character for anyone. He is holy, and he is righteous. And one of the things we did in that little illustration, we talked about how light and darkness cannot exist in the same spot. They can't. Light will always overtake darkness. And it's the same true. God's righteousness, God's holiness, who he is in his character, cannot be in the presence of iniquity, in the presence of sin, because the result is that God's righteousness, his holiness, reacts to unrighteousness. How do I know this? Romans 1. God has revealed his righteousness from what? From faith to faith. But the wrath of God has been revealed against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. And the picture is of God's Righteousness, who he is reacting to unrighteousness and so many times when we go oh but god's got to be a loving god if he was a loving god he would forgive all the sins no god's not going to change his character so in order for god not to change his character what did he do he sent a solution he sent his son and we told that week was what that's that fun word Propitiation, I love, yes, yeah, way to go. I love it when our kids are doing that. Propitiation, when you talk about propitiation, you're talking about God's wrath, that Jesus in our place took upon himself the judgment of God, the wrath of God that we might not have to. Isn't that good news? That's good news, that's why we call it the gospel. It's good news, right? And so the third week, we looked at this last week, uh, we, were, we are separated from God, because of our iniquity, because of our sin, we've been, we have a sin nature. When we act upon and we and we sin, the result of that is it only confirms our iniquity and our sin in our life. We could not overcome that. We can't go around and go, "Oh, you have just enough that you pass." That doesn't how it works. We all fell short, and so what God did in our separation, He had a solution. He sent His Son, and what did His Son do? Reconciliation, yes. I hope I heard the 10-year-old out there. They knew. Reconciliation, that God reconciled us to him. He brought us together. We who were estranged from God because of our iniquity. Well, wait a second, Greg. I was never estranged to God. Well, I'm sorry. In his righteousness and holiness, because of your iniquity, you are estranged. But because of the work of God in Christ Jesus, he brought us together and he reconciled us. Isn't this really good news? It is good news. is not it demonstrate the love of God? So many people want to redefine love and make it something that it's not. And God, being moved by his love, sent his son in the sacrifice of his son. God sent him to be a propitiation. God sent him to reconcile that we might be in a right relationship with him. And then today, some of you may not know, but today we're dealing with We are in bondage to sin. In other words, that when we acted out in that sin nature that we have, we only could do sin. Whether we wanted to do it or not, that's why we struggle. And the things I don't want to do, I got to do, and the things I... It just gets frustrating, right? Because we've been in a bondage. But because of what Christ did through his son, through the... Does anybody remember what today is? Redemption. I mean, I love our students. Isn't that great? And our redemption... God has redeemed us, so let's pull up all four of them. So when we, looked at our, when we look at our results of the atonement, this is what we've been our week. We had our introduction, but then these last four weeks, this is what we've been going through. And today, we're on redemption. So take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Hang on to your communion cups. We started this um, series with communion, and we're going to finish it in communion in Ephesians chapter one, we're gonna look at verse seven. In verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Something I want us to talk about too as we look at this we see this, I want us to emphasize one thing here. Know this. Know it. If you weren't able to throw these out, these are key components to, to atonement. Each one of these, know it, learn it, teach it. Teach it to your kids. Teach it to your grandkids. Get get some neighbors, do a Bible study, and teach it to each other. Go through the passages. As you begin to understand the atonement, it'll just jump off the pages. You'll be amazed when you're reading through, if you're not reading through the Bible, it's not gonna jump off, by the way. But if you're reading through the Bible and you're reading the scriptures, Man, the atonement is just going to jump out at you. Because it's all through the scriptures. It's all through the scriptures. Unpack it in your life. Not to just have more knowledge, but the impact of what it is in your life. Maybe the students, maybe you guys over the break, do a Bible study together. Come together and study these and learn the atonement. You guys need to know this. If you know these things, you're going to know more than a majority of believers know in the scriptures about atonement. You need to know this. This is important. So in verse seven, it says in him, I love this phrase, these, these two words, five letters, in him's referring to Jesus. It's the beloved in the previous verse. It's Jesus talking about in him. These two words summarize, listen to this, if you know Jesus Christ and you've received Christ into your life, these two words summarize your existence, your purpose, and your future think about what i just said it does remember a couple i think it was last week a couple weeks ago we talked about there is no life outside of christ he is life jesus said i am the resurrection and the life he also said i am the way the truth and the life there's no other way before to the father so life outside of christ is not possible well greg i'm breathing yeah i know But you don't understand life because it's in him that gives us our our purpose, our existence. It helps us to understand our future. It's speaking about our union in Christ and the entire aspect of our atonement, our salvation, and our hope in Jesus Christ. We have to understand this. Who we are in our union with Jesus Christ. If you receive Christ, you are now in union with Christ. And it brings out these glorious truths. In fact, in Ephesians chapter one, uh, really all the way down through verse 14, 11 times there, it uses the term in Christ or through Christ or in some way in which it's relating to Christ and Christ alone. I have a slide up here. So in verse one, it says, we are saints. Can you believe that? Set apart unto God. That's why I like using the term, when you hear me, I say, dear people of God, I don't mean that as a joke. I don't mean that as lightly. I mean it as truth that you are set apart. You've you've received Christ in your life. You are set apart to God. You are the people of God. We are saints. Verse 3, it teaches us that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In verse 4, it says we are chosen. It says before the foundation of the world, which totally blows my mind. Everybody wants to open up the can of worms and start a theological debate. I just want to blow my mind that God would even know me. That he would choose me, is that crazy? Almighty God, praise God, in Christ. In Christ we're adopted, I've never met my birth father. Never met him, my dad adopted me when I was four. Gave me his name, called me his own. Anytime you hear me, you hear me, be all, all my dad. I'm not talking about my birth father, I'm talking about the one who adopted me and gave, and God did the same thing. He brought us into his family, called us his own, called us his children, what a blessing. Redeemed and forgiven, we're going to be looking at that today. Redeemed and forgiven. The wisdom of God's will and purpose, verse 9. Isn't that amazing? That in Christ, when you are in Christ and you understand the realities of the truth of the atonement, what God has done in the gospel, you will begin to understand the wisdom of God's purpose and will in your life. It's only realized in Christ. No wonder so many are wandering and scattering about because they don't know Christ. They don't trust Christ. It's in him. In verse 11, it says, obtain an inheritance. I always remember when I first, not too long after I came to Christ, I was reading that passage. And uh, and it said inheritance. In Romans, it talks about co-heirs of Christ. I went to my youth guy, and I was like, man, is this saying we're co-heirs right there? And he said, yeah. I said, well, Jesus, you got to be kidding me. He's like, no, I'm not. Isn't that amazing? In Christ in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, there's a guarantee, 100%. I like this term. 100% guarantee. Greg, how can you be so confident? Because I know God. I only trust in him. I don't trust in the wisdom of this world and the teaching of this world. I don't trust in the things of this world. I trust what God has said. And he says, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 100% guarantee of glory. I look forward to that day. This is all pertaining to our union in Christ. What does it mean? Another great day in Jesus. Amen? I don't care what your circumstances is this morning. I don't care if it's health or difficulties, relationships, whatever. Another great day in Jesus because who else can give you this? Who else? You think the stock market's going to give you this? Huh? You think, you think your career's going to give you this? You think, you think all your work is going to give you this? It's only available in Jesus. No one can give you this but Jesus. It's an amazing list, the gospel, the atonement. This is only found in Jesus, only can be realized in Jesus because all of life is found in him alone. Look what it says there in verse seven again. In him we have redemption. My time's flying so y'all just kind of put in the seatbelts. I'm gonna try to zip through this. I really hate doing it that way. But the idea of redemption is the idea to buy back Redemption, when used in the scriptures, is also often used of its most theolo- important theological meaning. is the idea of buying someone out of slavery into freedom. That's the picture it uses. And why is this as important? Because every single person before Christ is in sin. Every single one of us. And the consequences of sin is what? Death. I remember the, my youth pastor got in a church and I went to see him and we're standing here and we had windows on the side, it was an old church building side and you look out through the windows and there was a huge old graveyard just all the way going across. I was like, man, why would they put a church next to a graveyard? Did you know back in the old days, almost all your graveyards are right next to the church? Did you know that? He said, no, I love it. I said, why? He said, I just point out there and say, hey, look, that's where our sin's leading to and none of y'all can get past sin. That's why we need Jesus. You understand that? Because you're in bondage. You're in bondage to sin and death. You cannot conquer death. You can't. There's only been one, and it's Christ. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we were slaves to sin, which means death for us. We can't save ourselves. We need someone to buy us out of that slavery to sin and to death. We need a redeemer. We need someone to pay our ransom. We cannot pay the price of perfection. We could not do it. Cannot do it. And that's what's required for forgiveness. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Redemption speaks of our helpless condition, but at the same time, it magnifies the marvelous love of God towards us. Before Christ, before we knew Christ, we were in our sin we were on death row we could not save ourselves we could not be rescued but in god's plan god's plan he sent a solution in his son and god was involved i love one of the things i love about ephesians 1 if we were to do a study we literally would spend weeks in this chapter but in verse 1 just quick overview our redemption the father planned it In verses 4 through 6, you see God planning our salvation. Verses 7 through 12, you see the son involved in paying for it. It's through his blood, which we're going to look at in a second. And then the Holy Spirit applied it, that we would be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. Praise God. The price of this redemption, what did it cost? See it right there in verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Understand this, the shedding of blood is the shedding of life. The shedding of blood is the shedding of life. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Leviticus 17, verse 11, it says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Do you have that up there, Leviticus? Yeah, for the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. This is such a powerful statement for me in so many things as it pertains to life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your sins. Now look at this last phrase. For it is, in the, for it is the blood that makes atonement. How? By life. By the life. So the picture was that when they were sacrificing those animals and God was passing over all those years, it was life for life. The shedding of blood is the shedding of life. So now it's the same picture where Christ, in his perfect life, he gave his life. It was through the shedding of his blood, through the giving of his life, he gave his life that we might have life. And praise God that he did not succumb to death, but he conquered death. He conquered sin that through him we might live. That's why he's called the first fruits. He was the first to live. And because he lives, we live. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In 1 Peter, I'm, kind of, I'm gonna take a moment here and try to broaden our biblical understanding of redemption. 1 Peter chapter one, verses 18 to 19. It says, knowing that you were ransomed, that's a term we're talking about, redemption, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. What is he talking about? and the ways that our forefathers had gone into sin, the way we go into sin, that we go about wandering about in our own iniquity. We're confused. We're un- we don't understand life. What is-, what is life about? What is my purpose? All those kinds of things. We find ourselves misunderstood in understanding what life is about. We just don't understand. We were going about in our futile ways, not with the per- and that we were ransomed from that, not with the perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Here's, here's the application for that verse. That Christ has redeemed us from the futile ways of our life and we need to live like it. We need to live like it. We need to live, quit living and in in leaving the lies of our adversary that we're worthless. We need to understand that he's redeemed us. We're dressed in the righteousness of Christ. If you understand the atonement, you understand redemption and what Christ has ransomed you to, why would you be afraid to proclaim the most important message you will ever hear? The message of reconciliation, the good news, the atonement. Why? Because it's changing our lives. And the reality is that we don't believe it and we don't live in that way and we continue in our feudal ways. And we need to change that as God's people. That's a biblical understanding of the redemption. Here's another one. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attentions to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is in Acts where Paul is calling the elders of Ephesus. So this verse always makes me very concerned, uh, aware of what I am to do. And he says, to care for the church of God, which he attained, how? By his own blood. You understand this? God loves the church. Let's quit being critical of the church. We stand, and so many times we throw attacks at other churches, other situations. We've got to quit doing that. Jesus died for the church, He died for us as God's people. And we need to love the church. We need to serve the church. We need to give to the church. We need to use our gifts in the church. Why? Because the church is important to God because He gave His life for it. We need to understand that. We need to change the way that we view. We need to love the church that God bought with His blood. Let me look at one more, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. It says, And they sing a new song. I love this one. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Isn't that amazing? They were singing a new song. I love this phrase, new song. We have a new song to sing. It's a song of redemption. I am redeemed, right? I am redeemed, and he's broken the chains of sin and death, and I stand here not in fear of, of judgment, I stand here in an understanding that I receive the mercy of God and the redemption of God. That's who we are as God's people. If you've received Christ in your life, we have a new song to sing. and it's a song of redemption. Do you see it? Oh, come on, people. Let's understand the realities of our salvation. Let's understand the realities of the truth, that what God has done in Christ Jesus. Let's quit being worried about what we're going to do this afternoon. Let's understand the joy of right now, right here, and the importance of the atonement and what God has done for us. Let our hearts sing with joy of his redemption towards us that our God is a good God. Jesus is our redemption. He also goes on, he says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Notice the sequence. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. There's no other way, there's no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. There's no other method. You're not gonna work there, you're not gonna know somebody that'll get you in the back door. There's no other way, there's no other method. This is it. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins, the other side of that coin is that often we believe the lie of our, of our adversary it tells us we 're never worthy, it reminds us of all the iniquity we 've done, where maybe there's something you did that was just horrible, and you just think, "Oh, God can never forgive me for that, but in Christ, our sins have been forgiven, my slate has been clean i 'm dressed in the righteousness of Christ alive in Jesus adopted into the family of God co-heirs with Christ Jesus I've been declared righteous by a holy and righteous God God brought the anvil down and he said it is finished that in my son you are righteous Yeah just it's going to be better than all the touchdowns the Cowboys will score this year <laughs> Let's get to the reality folks There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because of God and his work in his son Jesus. This is the atonement, 100% forgiven of all because of what Jesus did. It's the truth of the gospel and you need to apply it to your life. We need to not mess around as a church. We need to understand the reality of who we are in Jesus as God's people. It's the heart of the gospel. It's the blessing of the gospel. It's the wonder of atonement. It is the freedom of forgiveness. Not only that, Look at the riches of His grace. The very last phrase in that verse, "According to the riches of His grace." I love that term. "According to," it's not saying "according to" a portion of God's riches. In other words, for His grace, it's talking about proportion to. In other words, in other words, God has enough grace. Do you believe God has just a little bit of grace, or does God have infinite grace? Do you think God is is poor in grace? Or is he infinitely wealthy in grace? Why is that so important? Because it means there is no sin too great for the blood of Jesus and his atoning work. There's none. You might be thinking there is, but just kind of hold it up in light of the grace of our God. I'm not trying to diminish sin here. I'm trying to elevate your understanding of the grace and the love of our God. And his ability to restore his people. We have been created to be in righteousness. We have been created to be holy. We have been created to be in a righteous, right relationship with our God. And we cannot restore it ourselves. We need a redeemer. We need one who can do that for us. And that is Jesus. Nobody else. It's the offer of God's grace even today for you. If you haven't received Christ even today, it's the offer of God for you to receive his grace into your life simply by understanding and believing in Christ and receiving him into your life. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful truth. It'll radically change your life if you embrace it, not just know it. A lot of us Christians, we go out, we go, oh, I know that, I've heard that before. Yeah, Greg didn't say anything new. And you keep living in the futility of your sin. Somewhere along the line, dear people of God, we've got to understand and believe the realities and the power of what God has done in Christ Jesus. And somewhere it changed our lives in such a powerful way that we, um, that we are transformed permanently. Sorry, I was kind of wrapping up there. I was actually trying to, I just had a lot of things that were on my mind and I was trying not to say them all because I know some of you want to want to leave here, but we need to end this thing in communion. We need to be here right now in our time And we need to do communion. You know, go ahead and get your cup if you don't have one. We've been talking about the atonement. We've been talking about what Jesus did in his sacrifice, that he is God's sacrifice. God sent him. We never could come up with the right sacrifice. Everything we'd ever done wasn't enough. But God sent his son, and it was finished. He was the Lamb of God, he was God's sacrifice. Jesus on that night, he pulled his disciples together in the upper room and he held up the bread and he he broke it and gave thanks and he held it up and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. That we would find in the presence of humanity, God himself, fully God, fully man, walking in the midst of humanity, calling people to himself, that he was our sacrifice, he was our propitiation, He was our reconciler and he's our redemption. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way that night he took the cup and in that cup he said, this is my blood which he poured out for us, for many. His blood. Life for life. He shed his blood He shed his life. He did it as a sacrifice for us. He did it in the propitiation that he took upon himself the wrath and the judgment of God on our behalf. He did it in the sense of reconciling us, moved by the love of God. God being moved by love, demonstrating to us his love, in that while we were still in iniquity, while we were still in our sins, Christ came and he died for us and he poured out his blood for us. He was our redemption. He was the ransom. He went and did what we couldn't do. He faced sin and death and he came out victorious. He was raised again and he lives to this day. And he talks about this cup, this blood and it represents and reminds us of who he is. He calls it the new covenant, the gospel. The atonement, the truth of why we stand here today in the righteousness of Christ. To him be the glory and the praise. He said, as often as you do this, remember me. Father God, we just just pray, Father, even now at this time that your spirit would move through us. Father, that there are some here that maybe today they were over this series have been struck with different things and different truths. They want to just know more about the atonement, reconciliation, propitiation. They want to know about understanding how Jesus is their sacrifice and their ransom, their redeemer. Lord, I pray that today that you would move among your people. Father, you break the hard hearts. Maybe some have just been going through the motions of being a Christian for so long that even here in this today, Father, the truths of the reality of the atonement does not phase him. Father, it should just break us, It should cause us to go to our knees. And if it doesn't, may we, Father, look deep in our hearts and understand whether or not we truly believe, to understand the realities of what Christ did, that Father, we would understand the change that it takes place in our lives and our hearts. So Father, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.